This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, June 14th, 2015. Road trip, shortcuts, and detours. So this morning we continue with Abram's road trip as we focus on shortcuts and uh, detours. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you so much for this day, a day to celebrate your love, to celebrate your call on our lives, to celebrate those shortcuts and detours that lead us back to you. And when we're in the middle of those shortcuts and detours, we're kind of spinning around, but thank you that your grace covers it. Open us up as we explore a guy named Abraham and all about his shortcuts and detours. We pray this in your name. Everybody gathered said, amen. Amen. So I I would guess that we've all taken a shortcut or two now and then at times. And at times they're beneficial. Sometimes they're not always so. It was probably the shortcuts I took with my math homework in 11th grade that resulted in a very bad grade in trigonometry. We'll just leave it at that. It was probably all the shortcuts I took when I was practicing my drum rudiments that kept me from ever being a part of the symphonic band in high school. And uh, I guarantee there were some shortcuts taken on actual road trips that didn't turn out to be shortcuts at all. Uh, made the trip longer, much more exhausting than it needed to be. Perhaps, perhaps you've taken a shortcut or two in your life that really didn't turn out to be a shortcut after all. Amen. Like the one where we went 100 miles out of our way. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay, yeah. 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 <laughs> or the one where it was a seven-hour trip to Rochester that turned into 11 hours to Rochester. We anyway. may still hear about that one. Shortcuts and detours. That happened to Abram as well. We talked about last week how, and we were focused on the 15th chapter of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, how Abram was concerned about his legacy because he didn't have any children. And God had told Abram that he would have offspring as numerous as the stars. Well, Abram heard this, but apparently Abram's wife did not get that memo. Because in the very next chapter, chapter 16, she asks Abram to sleep with her maidservant, Hagar. We talked about this, I think, a little bit last week. I just don't get that. But anyway, to hopefully give them a child that she was not able to give at that time. Apparently, Hagar didn't have any say in the matter. Um, It was a very different culture back then. Well, Abram dutifully complied with his wife's shortcut to God's plan. And (laughs) (laughs) anyway. He didn't want to, but he had to because she she told him to. (laughs) Hagar gets pregnant, but this puts the wedge between Sarai and Hagar. Go figure that. Oh, boy. It gets very complicated. Shortcuts make the trip a lot longer and a lot more painful. At times. When Hagar later ran away, an angel of the Lord visited her and told her not only to return, but that she also would have descendants too numerous to count, starting with this 
son, who was to be named Ishmael, a man who, who, according to Scripture, would live in hostility all his life to his brothers. Now, it's interesting to note here that Islamic tradition considers Ishmael to be the ancestor of the Arab people. Also interesting to note, when we talk about his hostility, that, that the ongoing strife between the people, his descendants, and the Jews, even to this present day. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Abram was 86 years old hmm. when Hagar gave birth. <laughs> now, unfortunately, attempting to shortcut God's plan really complicated everything. And how often is the same true when we attempt to shortcut God's plan, when God has plans for our lives and we take a detour or a shortcut? How often have you and I tried to do that and the whole thing has backfired? Mm. Well, 13 years later, when Abram was 99, the Lord again appeared to him, reiterated his covenant of descendants and land and blessing, and then renamed Abraham. Yeah, it's interesting how God renames people in the Bible. He renamed Abraham and renamed Abram Abraham because Abram meant exalted father. Abraham means father of many. Now, last week we defined this word covenant as a divine promise. God's covenants were often accompanied by a sign. Remember last week we talked about Noah, and the sign for Noah was the, the rainbow, beautiful rainbow in the sky. And, and in the next chapter in the Bible, in the next book of the Bible, Exodus, we sign of the, see the sign of the covenant with Moses and the Hebrew people were the tablets that the Ten Commandments were written on. That was that visible sign of God's law for God's people. Now, in the case of Abraham, God told him that, that his sign their sign for the covenant would be that every male would be circumcised. Now, it doesn't say this, it doesn't say Abram said or thought this, but you got to wonder if he's thinking, come on, Lord. Now, really, you gave Noah the nice, pretty rainbow. <laughs> and what are you giving me? And not just me, but every male in my group here, and I got to try to sell this thing to this tribe? <laughs> Lord, good luck. You know, talk about possible detours. That's all I'm saying. All That's right. all I'm saying. Anyway, the Lord also renamed Sarai. He named her Sarah, telling Abraham that he would give him a son through Sarah, that she would be blessed, and she would be the mother of nations. Well, at this point, remember, he was old, old, like a century old, and Abraham fell flat on his face in laughter at the thought of having a son at the age of 100, and his wife was 90. She had never given birth, and he wondered why God just couldn't bless the son he already had. That was Ishmael. But that wasn't God's plan. The covenant would go through Isaac, whom Sarah would give birth to the following year. Mm. Now remember, I, um, Abraham fell down laughing, and Sarah also laughed, and so Isaac, the name Isaac means he laughs. I'm just thinking, I'm not sure, and I, maybe you agree with me, 
at 100, maybe even 70, or maybe even at 60. If I found out this, I'm not sure laughter would be my response. Uh, Especially that, not now that we're empty nesters. <laughs> yeah. But, but he laughing at this thing, you know, more power to him. So later, the Lord appeared to Abraham in the persons of three men. That's interesting. We could go off on a thing about Trinity here, but we're going to let that for another day. But anyway, appears to Abraham in the persons of three men who were just kind of happened upon his settlement there. And without even realizing who they were, Abraham just shows great hospitality to these three guys. I mean, he just lays it out there for him. In fact, one of our core values refers to this very encounter when it's talked about in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Here's what it says. It says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. It refers right back to this incident with Abraham here. One of the visitors told Abraham that he would return next year, the following year, and Sarah would have a son. This is when Sarah was outside of the tent listening, and that's when she laughed as she told herself, after I'm worn out and my husband is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a good question, isn't it? Not just when it comes to a 90-year-old woman giving birth, but to anything, anytime, anywhere, that we have trouble seeing how God is going to get her done. You know? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Might be a relationship that appears to be over and out. Might be a habit that seems completely and utterly got us (laughs) by the throat and putting us out of control. Might be a family member or a friend who seems so far from God that a personal relationship with Jesus just seems absolutely out of the question. (laughs) It might be a new church building (laughs) up on Route 71 (laughs) that just seems like the delays are going to keep it from ever being built. Is anything too hard for God? You know, if God can bring a new baby out of a 90-year-old woman, All these other things don't seem so tough, do they? It's what allows us to say with great confidence and assurance, with God, all things are possible. Amen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Just this past week, we had a powerful reminder that nothing is too hard for the Lord. We have permission to share this story. Bruce and Pat, would you stand up? When everybody look back, that's Bruce and Pat. All right, and I'm going to tell a story right now that just happened. Bruce and Pat, Bruce went to the doctors a couple weeks ago, and he was told that it was very likely that he had cancer in his throat, on his larynx. 
the doctor's an expert, he'd seen it many times, and it was highly possible and very likely. Last Sunday, after the 11 o'clock service, we gathered as a church to pray over Bruce, anoint him with oil, and ask for prayers of healing and peace. On Friday, just three days ago, Bruce underwent um, a surgery or a biopsy to take a look at what they were really dealing with. And when the doctor came out, the doctor shared with Pat and Alan was there that there was no cancer, that what he had seen, in fact, was not what it was. Now, we believe that Bruce has experienced a healing. A miracle. Bruce has experienced a miracle. Mm. We know that. We believe that. We know that nothing is too hard for God. We also know that with God, all things are possible. So we share this with you, and there are many other stories recently mm. of healing, of physical healing, of spiritual mm. healing, of emotional healing, mm. where folks among you have come and asked for prayer, knelt before the Lord, been anointed mm. with oil, and have experienced miracles. Mm. That's what God is. God is a God of miracle. We praise God for your healing, Bruce. Thank you for allowing us to share. You know, the doctor was so sure that he didn't even bother with the biopsy. When it was all said and done, he didn't even do the plan that he went in to do, right? Wow. You know, in that scripture, it says at the very end there, I will return. The guy says to, to, uh, to Abraham, I, uh, or says Abraham and Sarah, I will return to you at the appointed time next year. And so the following year, at the very time God had promised, isn't it interesting how God works? He, he has a plan and he follows the plan and it's on his time. How often are we on our time rather than on God's time? God's time's always perfect. We've got to keep that in mind, you know? Like I, like I say, that church building up the road, I'm a little antsy at this point, huh? But I'm thinking it's on God's time. I'm not thinking it's on Del Dot's time. I think it's on God's time, you know? And his time is the right time. Amen? Fine, you're at the very time God had promised Sarah, go figure, gave birth to Isaac. Abraham was 100, Sarah was 90, and she said that God had brought her laughter and that everyone who would hear of this would laugh with her as well. That's a pretty successful road trip, isn't it? Unfortunately, nearly every trip, even the successful ones, have some detours. Can I get an amen on that one? Even the successful ones. Some, some are imposed on us and, and, and others we impose on ourselves, like what Carrie mentioned to you uh, minutes ago, on a trip coming south on, uh, <clears throat> from like the Pocono area, I missed going straight down to Philly and ended up in Hershey. It's only 100 miles off course, and we didn't have time then, but the next trip north I had to promise the kids we'd spend the day in Hershey because... <laughs> You know, those little kisses on the lamppost, give it away. They weren't going to be fooled. 
<laughs> next trip up, we, okay, we're going to, then we had another 100 mile detour the next time to get air, anyway. Before GPS, of course. 100 miles, I couldn't believe it, anyway. Abraham's road trip included some detours as well. Most severe, at least in our opinion, is found in chapter 22 of the book of Genesis. And here we find God called Abraham to sacrifice this son, Isaac. I can't imagine what's going through Abraham's brain when he gets this message from, Lord, you've got to be kidding me. I waited 25 years. He doesn't say that, though. He just, like, quietly complies with this thing. Got up the next day, saddled the donkey, took two servants and Isaac, traveled for three days to where God told him. Abraham took the wood he'd packed for the burnt offering, he put it on his son's back. He's carrying his own, the wood for the fire that's going to sacrifice him. Abraham carried the fire and the knife. And when Isaac said to his dad, where's the lamb? (laughs) Innocent, wasn't he? Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? His father replied that the Lord would supply the sacrifice. Wow. Genesis chapter 22, beginning at verse 9. When they reached the place God had told them, him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son your only son. Abraham looked up and saw there in a thicket a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. So there are some passages in the Bible that I just have trouble with. I'm just going to say that. And this is one of them. I just can't imagine. I mean, I can't even read this without getting emotional because I take it on like we have people we love, we have kids. And how could God ask Abraham, to do this. But God knew Abraham's heart. And God knew that Abraham was absolutely faithful. And God provided. But God needed a demonstration from Abraham that he was willing to follow God. And to Uh give everything. And in 
reality, God asks us to give everything as well hmm. for God. We're not asked to sacrifice our kids because God has already taken care of that through his own son, Jesus. But this is some passage where it really causes us to like, wow, hmm. kind of take our breath away. And um, I just had to be real with you on this hmm. one because last night I was boo-hooing my eyes out just reading this, just thinking. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Here's the thing. Many, many years later, God put God's self to that same test. This Abraham and Isaac challenge is a, is a great foreshadowing of something that happened centuries later. Sacrifice of Jesus also took place on some wood, on the cross. Not at the hands of the Father, <laughs> but certainly while God the Father looked on. See, the difference, the difference was Isaac was excused and Jesus was executed. But thanks to him, we are excused. We are excused just as Isaac was. And while Abraham and Isaac traveled three days to get to the place of sacrifice, Jesus spent three days in the belly of the earth, in the tomb, as a result of his sacrifice for you and for me. Well, the sign of the covenant with Abraham was circumcision. The the outward invisible sign. We said before, another sign with Moses was the tablets with the Ten Commandments, the laws. With Jesus, it's a new covenant. Promised, as we shared last week, through the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. And with the people of Judah, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. You know, I just got to go back to that other <laughs> passage. I think part of my emotion today, and it's because, you know, Turner's leaving. It's not sacrifice or anything. But in a sense, it is because our family is worshiped together. That's what we value, worshiping together. And until I retire, which is a very long time from now, I won't be worshiping with Turner on Easter Sunday, Christmas Eve, anything like that. And that's really hard. So all this is kind of like I'm projecting on myself. So that's probably the reason why I'm crying. So anyway. We're part of it anyway. Part of it. <laughs> all right. Well, the old covenants were cut from the skin and written on tablets. The new covenant is written on our hearts. Where we're changed, not on the outside, but we're changed from the inside out. And since we're unable to do that for ourselves, we can't do that surgery in our hearts. God does it 
for us. God did it for us, an act of pure mercy and love. Our sinful pasts that are forgiven and free and forgotten as we are reunited with God, reunited with God in a new relationship when we claim Jesus as our Lord and Savior. This is a message of future hope that God shared with Jeremiah in this passage, a world transformed thanks to the hearts of God's people being transformed. And it's through Jesus that we receive this new covenant. The new covenant is through Jesus from God. Jesus is our guarantee of God keeping God's ancient promises to God's people, hmm. even today. Even today. And so we're all on road trips with God, amen? Think, man, think about your trip, where you are on your journey, this lifelong journey with God, your road trip. And you know, along the way, we're going to encounter some shortcuts and we're going to encounter some detours. And the more we try to avoid them, it seems, <laughs> the more we find them or they find us. <laughs> What's interesting is, though, even a bad detour God can make good out of. Even a shortcut that, where you blew it. <laughs> God can make that a glorious, somehow a glorious part of your road trip and use it for his glory and for the benefit of those around you, somehow, somehow. And see, here's the thing. Here's why that can happen, because God promises and God delivers. It's like we said last week. God promises and God delivers. He delivered his son, Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, so that those shortcuts, those detours, don't have to be our end. Instead, they're opportunities where we can realize just how much we need God, just how much we need a Savior, just how much God loves us by sacrificing His one and only Son so that we'd have that Savior in our lives. Amen? Amen. That's the good news. Let's live it. Let's believe it. Let's pray. Most Holy God, wow, we do have some, take some shortcuts, and we sure encounter some detours. I'm so thankful that you're there to redeem me, to to somehow make good out of those shortcuts and detours that, that I managed to get myself in. I think I can speak for everyone here as well, Lord. And we thank you for that sacrifice that you gave us in three days in the tomb and for life everlasting. We praise you, we glorify your holy name. All those here said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.com.
www.thebrookwood.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.